Char Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It is Monday, October 22nd, 2018. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Tanner. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Tanner, how you doing? Doing good. It is officially fall. I know. Got the cool weather rolling in. Just taking some deep breaths every time I walk outside. It's it's gorgeous. Snuggling, how are you? snuggling with the kitties. Yeah, always. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm doing pretty well. Um, we had a big week at the first concert that I had uh, with the high school that I work at, and it went really well. Lots of funny stories. Um, lots of rowdy uh, teenagers, 170 of them to be exact. I don't know how I survived, but I did. <laughs> Sounds like a good time, I suppose. It does. But what's an even better time this week are the UK entries. Oh, yeah. We're going to work our way up to number one that I'm really excited about, guys. Okay, number 99, we have Lil Wayne with Uproar. At number 81, we have Anderson Pock and Kendrick Lamar with Tints. At number 76, Charlie XCX and Troy Sivan debut with 1999. At number 68, we have Lil Baby and Gunna with Close Friends. One step above that, at 67, we have 21 Pilots with Morph. At 64, we have Dappy with All We Know. Polaroid debuts at number 55, and that is by Jonas Blue, Liam Payne, a friend of the podcast, and Lennon Stella. <laughs> Tanner's shaking his head. Uh, at number 46, we have Lil Baby and Gunna, again, this time featuring Drake with Never Recover. At number 39, we have Lady Gaga with Always Remember Us This Way. At number 35... Bradley Cooper joins Lady Gaga in I'll Never Love Again. At number 34, we have 6-9 featuring Bobby Shmurda with Stupid. Two O's. Nice. At number 24, we have Halsey and her song Without Me. At number 16, we have Eminem with Venom and Folks. I don't remember the last time we've had a number one. That's a lie. It was about 10 weeks ago. We have Dave featuring Fredo with the song Funky Friday. Oh, yes, Tanner. This week has been an excellent week. What do we got on the U.S. side? No Dave, but we will get to Dave shortly once uh, you take the wheel, I'm sure. But first, over here in the U.S., we debut at number 98 with Lil Baby and Gunna with I Am. Lil Baby Solo debuts at number 97 with Deep End. Bradley Cooper debuts at number 93 with Maybe It's Time. Debuting at number 81, there's My Blood by 21 Pilots. Debuting at number 80, there's a little baby in Ghana with Belly. Lady Gaga debuts with Is This Alright at number 63. Back to Lil Baby and Gunna, they debut at number 61 with Business is Business. Debuting at number 54, there's Off-White Vlone by Lil Baby and Gunna featuring Lil Dirk and Nav. Debuting at number 41, there's Lady Gaga with Always Remember Us This Way. Another Lady Gaga song debuting at number 36, this one titled I'll Never Love Again. Then we jump to number 28 with Lil Baby and Close Friends. 
Debut number 25, there's the aforementioned Two O's Stupid by 6ix9ine featuring Bobby Shmurda. Debut number 18, there's Halsey with Without Me. And finally, our highest debut of the week over in the U.S., we've got number 15, we've got Never Recover by Lil Baby and Gunna featuring Drake. Caitlin, I think I know where you're going with this. What you got? Okay, everyone. So I am so excited for this historic moment for one of our favorite rappers, Dave. And really, generally, for the UK official charts. And I will let you know up front, it would be wrong for me to allow this moment and this song to be shared in a spotlight with any other track that debuted this week, in my opinion. So this is my only pick. (laughs) I'm sorry, or you're welcome. Whichever one fits. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Dave and Fredo before we get into this awesome track. So Dave, obviously, we know a little bit about him. He might hold the record on this podcast for Picks of the Week. I believe he has two with Hangman and mm, it was longer ago than that when his first album, uh, it might have been Question Time or something like that. Tanner, do you remember? I don't, I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah. So that is a that's a high honor, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and we talk about him extensively. Please keep in mind, he's only 20 years old, and his voice is probably one of the most incredible voices uh, in popular music that I have heard in my life. Yes, I'm being serious and not sarcastic for once. Uh, Dave released a song with Mo Stack last year called No Words, and I believe I spoke about that song on this podcast as well. And that one uh, made it to number 17. That was his highest showing uh, before Funky Friday. So really, uh, compared to a lot of other UK rappers that we've talked about, such as Skepta, uh, maybe Stormzy, this young guy has had a really decent chart showing uh, for being his age, which is kind of cool. Also of note, a couple common lyrical themes that he explores in a lot of his songs Uh, Our political unrest in the UK, a lot of things that he's fed up about. Uh, We've talked before about how Dave is known for his freestyle, kind of very thin instrumental backing track raps. He also raps a lot about his family's struggles and the fact that his two older brothers are currently incarcerated. And to contrast with that, he has a lot of lighter stuff too, like the song Tequila I referenced a couple weeks ago about drinking and girls and video games. So uh, he's not all serious. Fredo has a little bit of a different story, I'd say. He grew up in the notoriously violent uh, Mozart estate in London. And he is, or maybe was, I don't know if he's associated anymore, but he was a known gang member of the Harrow Road Boys, also a very violent group. Both of these men, Fredo and Dave, were featured in a Billboard article from back in February of this year, and it was titled Five UK Rappers Primed to Take Over America in 2018. And so far, that claim in the title kind of remains to be seen, but in the coming weeks, we might see Dave and Fredo's collab pop up on the Billboard Hot 100. I'm crossing my fingers, and while we all hope for that, let's listen. To Funky Friday. One six game. At this age, 
How are them man still hating? My young boy in a different country, but he ain't never been on vacation. One hand on a girl I'm dating, one hand on the cash I'm making. We come through like Funky Friday and have all your man them skating. I came in 5:50 on trainers. I look girl amazing, could be Bayesian, Trini or Haitian. She got a bag with flowers. If the trainers match, I'll take it. Me and bro just shut down Gucci. Had the whole of the shop floor waiting. Who's that girl in a line with a big behind us looking all tempting? If her friend is a dead thing, take one for the team with a brethren. Two paintings at the entrance, one attention, but a man can't let them. She must think I'm a reverend. You ain't coming here getting redemption. No way. At this age, how are them man still hating? My young boy in a different country, but he ain't never been on vacation. One hand on a girl I'm dating, one hand on the cash I'm making. We come through like Funky Friday and have all your man them skating. I see them man skating now. I'm talking about running their legs. My youngins in country plugging a Z. He can't even butt me till nothing is left. I flood in my right, I flood in my left. I'm ducking your wife, I'm ducking the feds. The bell on the trap is buzzing again, but still I ain't trying to get busted by feds. Look, man, I ain't. Something cool to note here in this track is the route that the song took to debuting at number one. Uh, it involved a social media campaign, which I was a big fan of. So Dave was all over Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat to encourage all of his listeners to continue streaming the song and also to purchase it so that he could dethrone the current number one at the time, which was Promises by Calvin Harris and Sam Smith. So he actively went on social media and told people, please, we're so close to this. They were tracking sales. They were tracking streams. Uh, and within that first week, I think it had uh, a couple million streams, which is huge for him. Someone like him, even. I'm sure a lot of UK rappers would be floored to have that kind of success within a week. But to move away from kind of the chart history that we're making here, uh, what I love about this song instrumentally is its simplicity. Dave kind of has carved this, I don't want to say a niche, but he's really branded himself in such a way as to be like that guy with the not heavy instrumental backing tracks. Uh, if we recall, a couple of his songs had just a piano line, single line, not chords, not nothing. It was just a melody. And I think that's really unique, especially in this day and age. There aren't a ton of moving parts here, which I think suits Dave's voice a little bit better than Fredo's. During Fredo's verse, there's kind of a little shout out to Dave's grime influences with a jangly little video game sounding synth. Same melody, it's just kind of bouncing a little bit, which I really enjoyed. And another note, and this will contrast with one of Tanner's tracks that he's going to talk about a little bit later. There's really no auto-tune and no filters on the vocals here at all. I don't think Dave needs that necessarily. He has a super rich, super deep tone. But Fredo might need a little help here. Uh, his voice is a little thinner. Uh, he seems to be a little out of breath. Uh, he is a great rapper, but when you put him next to someone like Dave his tone's just gonna sound thinner and not as strong. So, meh. Fredo, I think, was a good addition to the track, and like any good essay, you sandwich your weaker point within two stronger points, with his, which is how the verses are structured here. And just another fun note before we uh, hear Tanner's thoughts on the track, I think it's really cool that 
Dave did pretty much all the production on the song as well as the music video. And that's a multi-talented musician right there to be able to have his finger in all the different pots of his success. And it was just a great week for me to be able to bask in this. And that's why I love this podcast so much is because, you know, it's just a really special moment. And to look back on this, I think in the future, hopefully Dave will grow in success, not only in the UK, but also in the US. It's just, I I got a big smile on my face right now, Tanner. Can you uh, wrap up any thoughts maybe on the track for us? Yeah, I've got some stray thoughts. I mean, the first thing I think of is, I mean, in general, I think, I suppose you're being more charitable towards Fredo than I would have been. I don't dislike his verses, but they feel superfluous in my opinion. Every time he's on the mic, like you mentioned, he sounds thinner, which is fine. I think that sort of contrast and tone can be good, but his raps also feel stiffer and a little clunky and kind of clumsy. And maybe that would work if it was just Fredo on the track, but juxtaposed next to Dave, who particularly on that refrain, that refrain is just so effortless and full-bodied. Again, you mentioned Dave's voice being particularly distinctive and working so well with that very stark backing track. I don't think Fredo comes off as well for that. And then I'm also thinking about that Billboard article you mentioned, which I actually have to admit to not having read. That sounds overly, I, I share your skepticism, that that sounds overly optimistic on Billboard's behalf. There isn't exactly a long tradition of UK rappers crossing over to the US in the first place. And if you think of the US-based rapper who has done the most to try to collaborate with UK rappers, someone like Drake, who's done stuff with Giggs, who's done stuff with Skepta, I think he might have even done something with Dave as well, I forget. And that doesn't seem to have exactly translated to any sort of broader US success for these MCs. And so, again, without having read the article, I can't say for sure, but that sort of uh, projection on Billboard's part seems overly ambitious, even if you and I would both love to see someone like Dave break into the US. But at the very least, between the success of this individual track and also Dave's multi-talented capabilities being able to not only rap this well this young but also produce and also direct a music video we called it from the beginning i like to think we got in on the (laughs) ground floor so to speak but i i would be surprised if he doesn't continue to really just continue to blossom so Mm -hmm. it's 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 exciting it's really exciting to see our hats are off to dave as always on this podcast and now tanner's gonna take us through a couple of picks from the u.s charts tanner over to you it's true. So we're going to we're going to hole up in my little thematic hideaway here. And this time, the little thematic hideaway is strained relationships. We've got two songs here that talk about some sort of heartache or longing or regret, and what better way to kick things off than a star is born. For those that are unfamiliar, this is the fourth film version of A Star is Born. We've got three preceding versions. You've got one in 1937 with Janet Gaynor and Frederick March. 1954 with Judy Garland and James Mason, and perhaps best known before this current version, the 1976 film with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. And again, for those that are unfamiliar, this most recent one that just came out is Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, the latter of whom also directed this film. As I think I might have alluded to in last week's mini-sode, there is a lot of Oscar buzz around this particular film. And a lot of the praise around this film seems particularly directed towards Gaga's performance as the character Ali. A little bit of a general overview of the plot. 
Ali is a super talented but unsuccessful uh, musician who gets discovered by Bradley Cooper's character, Jackson Maine, who then helps Allie break into the mainstream, and then they have romantic and musical drama, and then there's the quote-unquote sellout phase, and it's a very archetypical story in a lot of ways, as you might imagine from a film with that title. And a little bit later, we'll talk more about the idea of the sellout and some of my frustrations with it. But for now, suffice it to say that the soundtrack is doing super well on the charts. Aside from, as I outlined at the top of the show, aside from debuting four new songs in the Hot 100 this week, in addition to Shallow from last week, the soundtrack also topped the Billboard 200 albums chart, beating out other high-profile releases like 21 Pilots' Trench, which itself is a pretty big deal, but not unprecedented. The Greatest Showman, of course, being another recent soundtrack that did particularly well. And with all that said, let's get kind of a sense of the film's sort of bread-and-butter musical style. And with that, we're going to listen to one of Gaga's solo tracks. This is Always Remember Us This Way. Butters on the sky Burning in your eyes You look at me, babe, I want to catch on fire It's buried in my soul Like California gold You found the light in me that I couldn't find So when I'm all choked up but I can't find the words Every time we say goodbye, baby, it hurts When the sun goes down and the band won't play this way Lovers in the night Though it's trying to ride We don't know how So I would argue that this is the surefire standout from the soundtrack to this film. Or at the very least, it is definitely, I think, the strongest of the songs in this particular style. It is it and many other songs from the film are that sort of mid-tempo singer songwritery rock ballad that covers slightly similar retro ground reminiscent of Mariner's Apartment Complex, that Lana Del Rey track that Caitlin talked about a little bit. And aside from being just a really well-written song, I think, with a melody that is just impeccable, I think there is a lot to praise in Gaga's vocal performance here. Beyond the confines of the clip, her vocals grow in intensity over the course of the song, like you would expect for this type of a song. But even within that particular verse, that first verse, I am smitten with how her voice thins out on these melodic peaks that coincide with the line, all choked up and can't find the words. Not only does it mirror the lyrical content of getting choked up and the voice thinning out, but also it's just a really effective way to convey some sort of yearning or nostalgia that the song is sort of all about. Something I'm less amenable to, we'll say. So I have to admit up front, I have not seen this movie. I doubt I will. I don't watch a lot of movies, and the only reason I might is because it's musically important. From my understanding of the film and conversations I've had with other friends, it sounds like the film is beholden to this idea of authenticity that feels very flawed. This idea that rock music is the 
most honest or real form of musical expression as opposed to pop music, which is crass and empty and completely worthless. And that sits really uneasily with me for a a bevy of reasons. But I want to juxtapose that point and this song, Always Remember This Way, Always Remember Us This Way, rather. I want to juxtapose that with one of the songs in the film where Allie, quote-unquote, sells out and performs this pop number on Saturday Night Live. And after... So, again, I've listened to the soundtrack in isolation, and even just doing that, I got the impression that filmgoers were supposed to dislike this song. And then I had some conversations with friends who had seen the movie, and they were like, oh, yeah, totally. The film wants you to find this song really annoying and obnoxious and shallow. And... Let's listen to a short clip of that song, actually. It's, uh, it's called Why Did You Do That? This is one of those times where I really wish that this was a video podcast because Caitlin is making the most sour grapes face I think I've ever seen her make. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, you had not heard that song before. Correct. So it sounds like Caitlin's not into it, but I, I think it's one of the best songs on the soundtrack. It's, it's, there's something so slapdash and off kilter about it. The chorus is obnoxiously repetitive. So much so that it becomes kind of weirdly daring. And the production particularly feels so bizarre. You have this drum fill, this just simple boom, boom, that recurs throughout the chorus. And it sounds, it's probably not, but it sounds close to an analog snare drum. And yet it's just kind of plopped in among these very synthetic pop trap timbres. It's just weird. And because of that weirdness, I think it's much more musically rewarding than any of the songs Bradley Cooper sings in the film. His singing, at least divorced from the acting performance, the songs are all kind of creaky. And that sort of brings me to my ultimate takeaway here that I find myself coming back to, reflecting on the fact that I have only listened to the songs and not seen the film, whereas other people who seem much more keen on the film also seem more keen on the music. And it seems like, by all accounts, Cooper gives a really good performance in the film, and so that makes me think that his performance as an actor does a lot of the heavy lifting for his musical performances, whereas some of Gaga's songs are able to stand alone. But in general, I, I, I don't know, the, the soundtrack is not doing a ton for me, but at the very least, I hope that all of the buzz around this helps revive Gaga's career as a pop musician. I've, I've missed her, and given the fact that her style of pop music is at an ebb right now, that will either, I figure, make it even more difficult for her to come back or make an opportunity for her to come back in some in some broad mainstream way. Caitlin, how are those grapes? How sour are they? I would like to start with the first song, Always Remember <laughs> Us This Way. 
I always do this thing, and now I'm starting to think that it's a curse more than a blessing, but I think Carrie Underwood would have sang that song better. Lady Gaga has an undisputably excellent voice, and this song leans a little bit country, and that's a genre that is not hers. I would be interested to see if that could be possible, maybe not, but... I think that a twang for a lot of the cadences here would have made the song that more sad for me. And I, I, uh, that's just my, I think, personal opinion. I would love to hear Carrie Underwood sing this, especially speaking as someone who found Carrie Underwood's new album as a whole kind of disappointing, except for Spinning Bottles. If you haven't heard Spinning Bottles, go listen to that. Go listen to Carrie Underwood sing a, sing a sad ballad. And so having said that, Carrie Underwood would do very, very well on this song. I would say acoustic Carrie Underwood cover of this song would be perfection. Yes, please. My second thought has to do with whatever that was that we heard second. <laughs> um, now, I think it's interesting that you rem- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you mentioned the ebb kind of part of her career because right now... I don't know if it's possible for her to return to those sublime poker face days. And that song reminded me, unfortunately, of a lot of positives of that Lady Gaga heavy pop poker face kind of attempts at making music. And is it a sign? Like, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see where her career goes, because obviously she's done a lot of stuff like with Broadway tunes. And was was it Frank Sinatra or something she sang with? Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Okay. Did the Jazz Standards album. And then before that, there was Joanne, which was her move towards rootsy, folksy, country-ish, whatever. And it was it was questionable. Yeah. So it's I think it's very interesting to see both of those sides on this soundtrack. I doubt I'll see the movie uh, either. I doubt I'll make it through the entire soundtrack because of Bradley Cooper. But I feel as though this could be the turning point, like you said, Tanner, in her, uh, in what we'll see next. I take it you're not much of a Bradley Cooper fan. Oh, I love his acting. It's so great, but (laughs) it's just like, oh, man. You, you're lucky you have a pretty face, Bradley Cooper. Dang. So, I mean, eh. <laughs> and that can only take you so far on a disembodied soundtrack. But with that, we're going to move over to the second song I want to talk about. That is much closer to the current pop landscape. And that's Close Friends. This is a track off of Lil Baby and Gunna's uh, joint mixtape, Drip Harder, which, as I noted earlier, debuted a number of tracks in the Hot 100 and also charted at number four on the Billboard 200. This past week alone, the lead single from that album, Drip Too Hard, jumped all the way from number 25 up to number 4 just off the strength of this album's release. Or this mixtape's release, rather. Eh, what's the difference? So as with other current uh, Atlanta rappers, as will become clear shortly, Young Thug's influence looms very, 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 very large over this mixtape. Of course, he guests on one of the tracks. And... While Thug's vocal timbre and melodic sense are very, very present in both Gunna and Baby's performances, I think Baby comes off much better on the tape than Gunna. So much so that the song I'm going to play actually doesn't even have Gunna on it. The two MCs each have, I think it's two solo tracks apiece on the mixtape, 
And we're going to listen to one of Baby's solo tracks. Once again, this is Close Friends. I was already pretty fond of Lil Baby on the heels of his hit Yes Indeed with Drake, which if I recall correctly, Caitlin was indifferent towards, but I was rather fond of. And this track in particular gives me further reason to, sus- to suspect that Baby will continue to grow as an artist and continue to find success. Or at least I hope so. My favorite vocal detail on this clip that we played comes at the very beginning where he starts off with these straight 16th notes that just alternate between these two simple pitches. The and he sticks with that for a good chunk of the phrase but towards the end his rhythms start to slow down they kind of space out a little bit and then he does a sort of melodic rise and then the next the start of the next phrase continues with that same lax rhythmic spacing and then has a nice little melodic fall so some cool man- uh, manipulation of the rhythms going on there that, again, very indebted to Young Thug. I would ar- also argue not as impressive as Young Thug's most standout moments, but I still think they totally work well in their own terms. And I think in general, Baby's approach to melody here works really well for the song, especially you've got it juxtaposed against that simple three-note descending guitar melody. The simple, effective, and it all fits with the general theme here of Baby apologizing and trying to make up for his infidelity, although at the same time there are some lines in the song that strike me as kind of sour. There's this undercurrent, sometimes overt current of, I already apologized and I bought you all these nice things, why are you still crying? <laughs> but, it, but, but at the same time there are parts where he's also like, if I was you and you did the things that I did, would I take you back? Probably not. So it's like, okay, like you're part of the way there, but you can't buy everything. Like it's, I feel conflicted about the general lyrical content of the song, but as a vocal and melodic performance, I think Baby does a pretty good job of expressing the sort of sorrow and regret that the lyrics at their best and also at their worst call for. Caitlin, any particular thoughts on this uh, this track? Not really. Um, one of those kind of in one ear and out the other tracks? Yes and no, because it reminds me a lot, and I'm kind of on the fence about the song, and I think I'll remain that way, because it reminds me of a lot of, you kind of parsed out with the lyrical descriptions there, half-hearted 
relationship songs that I think um, are a lot of filler for rappers to in their best kind of output. So that's kind of why I'll remain on the fence with this one, because I think it was not so interesting musically. I also don't think, if I'm being honest, Dave's track was that interesting musically, but those vocals are what pushed me over the edge. And with this uh, Close Friends, this song, it, it's what keeps me on the fence is the auto tune and the the kind of it's almost like he's hiding behind it and you know and it very indecisive with kind of the apology and I think it's kind of maybe a metaphor <laughs> for using that auto tune and eh, that's that's kind of all I have to say about it I don't know if I added that much to your uh, discussion but that's kind of how I, I position the track yeah I think that totally makes sense because on a musical front, there's nothing particularly unique about it. It's a very familiar type of track. And on a lyrical front, it is also a very familiar type of track. As you mentioned, it's a very sort of tropey, like, all right, here's the sad breakup song where I say that I'm sorry. And if, if the particular rendering of either of those two very familiar archetypes doesn't really do anything for you, then you can't fall back and say, well, at least it's doing something new or unique or something like that. Right. So that totally makes sense. And I'll say that Close Friends was in the running for Pick of the Week, but Caitlin, what wound up taking the gold this week? Obviously, Dave, we talked a little bit about it and I just couldn't come off that fence. And I, I do apologize, but we're all about compromise here. Uh, maybe like Lil Baby isn't, but... We thoroughly enjoyed uh, prepping this week and listening this week. There's a lot of fluffy tracks, but, you know, the diamonds in the rough really stand out. And I think I think it was it was a fun time this week, Tanner. If you have any further thoughts to share about Dave's success, uh, maybe your thoughts on whether or not you think it might break the Billboard Hot 100. I 1000% think it will not break the Billboard Hot 100. Interesting. Okay. However... If I can take a stab at playing Caitlin's uh, and our rep cross collaborations for thinking of U.S. rappers with low, full voices, I want to see Dave and Twenty One Savage on a track. Ooh, interesting! Let's make, let's make it happen. So we've got Carrie Underwood doing Lady Gaga, mm -hmm. and we've got Twenty One Savage and Dave teaming up. It's gonna happen. We're calling it now. But until then. Thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat, where we're always on vacation. If you'd like to listen to all this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. And if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chartchatcast. And if you're so inclined, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I promise we're still going to get on Spotify one of these days got to just figure out how all of that works but we appreciate all the feedback that we can get and it helps us find new listeners which is also fun chart chat's intro theme was written by peter kelly and our cover art was made by billy phillips both from coronation media coronation media is a creative studio specializing in video production animation and graphic design to learn what they can do for your company or organization visit www.coronationmedia.com chart chat is also a member of the teach.fm network from wtju to learn more, visit teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we will catch you next week. At this age, 
How are them man still hating? My young boy in a different country, but he ain't never been on vacation. One hand on a girl I'm dating, one hand on the cash I'm making. We come through like Funky Friday and have all your man them skating. I came in 550 on trainers. I, little girl, amazing. Could be Bayesian, Trini, or Haitian.